always, I have my co-sports editor, Reed Watkins. How's it going today, Reed? Oh, it's a great day. Uh, big week of ISU sports coming up here, starting tonight with the ISU men's basketball versus Bradley I-74 rivalry at SEFQ Arena. But we'll get to them in a little bit. We want to start off talking about the team who we talk about the most every week, it seems like. Uh, the ISU women's basketball team just continues to dominate every aspect of the game. I had texted you about this, read, and I brought it up on the other podcast. Uh, they had a 19-quarter stretch where they held teams to single digits seven times. Uh, two of those quarters, one of them was one point they had, another one there was only four. Uh, they did it twice to Evansville. Uh, they did it to Murray State after getting really – they were getting beat pretty bad by Murray State there much of the first half. And then mm-hmm. after being down by 14, I think they grew to a lead as big as 14. So – I think that game was key to me because that was the first time we've seen them face like real adversity since maybe that Ten Southern games Illinois ago. game. Yeah, maybe. maybe the Southern Illinois game when Paige Robinson hit that. They sure. were down, and then she hit that big three. I mean, that game. Other than that, I mean, you have the Northern Iowa game. Obviously, they lost, but you saw the adversity. They were down fourteen, and then you saw how they responded. And mm-hmm. Paige Robinson led the way, and I think that's why you need a player like her because. She got going, Deanna Wilson got going, and when those two are on, this team's hard to beat. Yeah, I mean, this team makes the fan base and, like, even us covering it just so excited. They're such a fun team to watch. Um, A lot of great people in that program, too. So um, I've been saying it. I'm looking forward to this Northern Iowa rematch. That was a game. That and the Green Bay game, I was – both of those, and I just – can't really explain what happened it's just you saw a different team come out so I think you're just kind of waiting um to see if that happens to them again and what have they learned since then to avoid that and I think you kind of saw that against Murray State just looking at the score updates from each quarter it was like what is happening in this game and then they figured it out in a big way in that third quarter and um then it did slip a little in the fourth but they came out with the win and I mean it almost just feels unfair against some of these teams they're playing the way the stretch that they are having. I mean, it's not just Paige and Paige Robinson and Mary Crompton. It's uh, Tashana Wright Gaskins, Jasmine McGinnis Taylor, Maya Wong, all making big contributions um, outside of scoring the basketball. Yeah, definitely. So I, I had talked about their stretch that they're playing, but uh, that second and third quarter against Murray State, first of all, I want to talk. They shut down Caitlin Young. Let's, I mean, if you're being 100% real, Caitlin Young ended up finishing with 13 points. I believe she had four after the third quarter. Mm. We're late into the third quarter there. Um, but the second and third quarter of that game, ISU combined to score 55 points. That is more than Bradley scored the entire game against them, UIC scored the entire game, Valpo and Evansville all scored the entire game against ISU. And the, that is their peak offense, those second and third quarters when Deanna Wilson and Paige Robinson both just got whatever they wanted seemingly. And then Mary Crompton, she's not always going to be 6 of 7 from beyond mm-hmm. the arc. Sometimes she'll struggle from beyond the arc, mm-hmm. but you saw in this game she was able to get in the paint a couple times. She made a couple two-point field goals, which you don't see often, but she hit threes when it mattered. She hit the three to uh, grow the lead, and then Robinson hit another three to grow it even more, and it seemed like that was the – end of the game for Murray State. As soon as those two hit back-to-back threes, it was all Illinois State from that point on. But I talk about it every week. This team is just so well-balanced at Mm. every position, and it's scary. I mean, even with um, 
Jazz McGinnis Taylor, she's out with a uh, shin injury right now, but you're still getting production from Hannah Kelly's doing her job. De- uh, Deanna Wilson, after what I had talked about being a very slow start to the season, uh, has picked it up. Kate Bowman played 38 minutes mm. in that game. Uh, she finished with 16 points and seven rebounds and four blocks. Just an incredible stat line for her. When those two are playing at that level in the post, to go with this guard tandem that they have, it's just it's such a hard team to beat. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to be scared of Mary Crompton hitting threes. It's another thing um, you don't want to see her doing everything else too, which she also is capable of doing. So it's kind of pick the worst of the lesser of two evils there. So, I mean, this is just a scary team, I think, for any team in the Valley to have to run into at this point. And, um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to disregard these two, the Southern Illinois, Missouri State games coming up um, over the weekend, but Not at all. my eyes are set on the rematch with Northern Iowa and um, Grace Buffalli. And uh, that team's been doing some great things, too, this season. Yeah, I would agree. And like we said, I think this was the five-game stretch, starting with Murray State going to Drake. Those are the five games that they need to keep an eye on. They're 1-0 so far. Let's see what they keep doing. I mean, when this team is at its best, they I don't know that there's many teams in this conference who can beat them. Um, like I said, they'll be action, be back in action Friday night and then Sunday afternoon. Uh, Southern Illinois and Missouri State, the last two of this four-game homestand that they're on before they hit that grueling trip to uh, – Iowa for Northern Iowa and Drake. So those will be a couple big games there. But a lot to be hopeful for with this team. I mean, they are really, really putting things together at the right time, and it's it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, switch gears a little bit, go over to the men's team. Um, they're just – they're such a hard team to read sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you have these games where you beat uh, Missouri State uh, in overtime in that one game, and that was just – I don't really know that a whole lot of people – Especially how the regular, or especially how regulation ended in that game, I don't think people necessarily thought they'd be able to respond the way they did. Um, but then the very next game, you go and lose by twelve to Southern after leading at halftime. I mean, there's just there's so many games where you think one or two plays go different, and it's a completely different outcome. And we've seen that a lot. Um, after that win over UIC, they did not come out great against Belmont. And I think I talked about this on the other podcast with Jacob, but I think the most concerning thing is that you allowed ninety points and only six of they only hit six threes in that game. And that's a Belmont team that leads the conference, the best three-point shooting team in the conference. So, I mean, that's not a great sight to see. Yeah, that was a tough game to stomach um, and hard to see a lot of players that we had thought have really turned the corner and become consistent struggle. Um, but I think it really just speaks to how much of an advantage playing at home is in college basketball. And I think that's kind of the story of tonight's game, um, if you want to look at the positive side. I mean, ISU 7-5 and five at home, and then 3-10 and 10 not playing at home. So away in neutral games. But, um, I mean, Bradley is 5-7 and seven on the road compared to 12-1 and one when they're playing in Carver Arena. So um, I think that ISU has a good chance tonight being with – I mean, this is going to be the most highly attended game of the year. Yeah, I, th- I think it's as exciting yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah, even on a Wednesday, which, I mean, everyone in the Valley it's has talked about. It's a little unfortunate that yeah. both of these games are on Wednesdays, but... At least they're both on Wednesdays, I guess, from a fairness perspective. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Carver Arena was rocking two weeks ago, and I would love to see Seth Curie and have some, some of that similar energy. Um, 
when Bradley comes into town. And, you know, I, don't, I think there were some instances where you could see these teams don't like each other a lot in the first matchup. Definitely. Um, a couple heated moments, a couple foul calls. Um, that neither team liked. Right, yeah. And that, I'm not saying that's influencing the outcome. But, yeah, there's just both sides of the ball. I mean, right. There's a lot of, a lot of hate you can do. Yeah, and I think if you're an ISU fan, that's kind of impressive to see almost with how many new faces are in the locker room um, since last year. But uh, this, this Bradley rivalry – it grows quick on people. It's not. It doesn't take long to understand why there's somewhat of a distaste uh, for that. Those programs over there up I seventy four. So, um, yeah, I think you're going to see an exciting contest tonight um, with a lot of energy from the fans and especially from the students. I can tell you right now, too. Ryan Peden wants this game mm. bad. You you could tell after they lost to Bradley at. Carver Arena, he wanted that game, and he's going to want this game even more. I mean, giving out 600 uh, jerseys to the first 600 students uh, who are at the game tonight, uh, I have a feeling tonight's going to be a good atmosphere at Seth Arena, so make sure to get out for that game. Um, and then, like I said, they hit, hit the road Saturday for uh, Valparaiso. Uh, kind of feels like a must-win game for that one, um, if you want to confirm your seating, really, uh, with a couple weeks left, but that really feels like a must-win, so... Uh, it's really it's going to be interesting to see how this team responds after that loss to Belmont over these final few stretches because I think as a new coach and as a new roster, it kind of shows who you are and what kind of identity you're mm. trying to create for yourself as a program with how you can perform. I mean, after what has not been a great season up to this point, how can you finish it off and head into March? Yeah. Um, I think that's it for men's basketball. Anything else from you, Reed? Um, I think that's it. I think just Ryan Peden's looking for a trademark or a sign, whatever you, you want to yeah, call it. He wants it. Looking bad. for a a big win for his um, add to his resume of in his first year at ISU. Yeah, definitely. It's gonna be uh gonna be a fun one. All right, so we'll shift gears a little bit here. Uh, talk about all the other stuff that was going on this weekend, uh, starting with the gymnastics team. Uh, the return of Bob Conkling as head coach after missing a couple meets with an illness and. Uh, Redbirds welcome him back strong with a tri-meet sweep over a Centenary and Bowling Green there. Um, just some great performances. Angelica Labat is the uh, the name to look out for there. She gets her second uh, Gymnast of the Week honor of the season. And I, when I was writing the brief earlier, uh, 19 in her career uh, mm. Gymnast of the Week honors. So mm. that's just an incredible feat. Three straight uh, all-around wins for her, and she's gotten over 39 back-to-back, uh, 39 for her all-around score in back-to-back meets. So she's just been incredible for this team so far this year. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a really fun energy that surrounds this team, and Angelica Labat is maybe the biggest um, producer of that energy. She just gives her teammates a reason to be excited. And um, the thing about her is, from watching her compete just a couple times, I mean, she's just strictly business. Um, and obviously there's a lot of fun to be had in gymnastics. I mean, it's not something you can do without looking like you're having a good time as you're performing, especially in these energetic floor routines you see. But she's just there to get the job done, and um, there's something you can appreciate about that. And she just does such a great job competing in each event, every meet, um, and really, it feels like putting the team on her back in a primarily individual sport, which is just really impressive. 
Yeah, definitely. So a big weekend for them. Uh, a little up and down season up so far up to this point, but now three straight wins with Winona State, Centenary, and Bowling Green. Um, and now you head into a pretty exciting event for them as a team. I mean, Georgia, I believe, is the 18th ranked uh, gymnastics team in the country. So you have Utah and Georgia here at the Metroplex Challenge this coming weekend. So you get to see a lot of uh, what this team's really built against some higher-level competition, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And not just Georgia, but um, uh, Utah's the number fourth-ranked team. So Utah number four, um, this has Georgia at number 17 in the country. So um, after playing or competing against a Division three school and um, a team that felt like, honestly, in Bowling Green State that wasn't quite in their ballpark, you're going to need to bring everything you have against these teams um, against some really strong competition in Texas this weekend. Yeah, and it's a pretty big event, like I was saying, because I believe there's after it's like two different sections. So they have the Utah, Georgia, ISU, and then later, I believe there was Alabama was there, Arkansas was going to be there, a lot of high-level teams that are there. Oh, yeah. It's just going to be a good experience for this team, yeah. I think. If there's a time to make a statement, there you go, in front of uh, some of the best teams in the country. Yeah, definitely. All right, we'll switch gears again. Uh a jam-packed weekend for the track and field team. Three events on the weekend, the uh, Mayo Invitational, the Keck Select Invite, and the Wartburg Indoor Select. So they uh, they really split up, and they, they found success even despite that. Um, Rydofa Braziel, I believe is how you pronounce his name, uh, his new Missouri Valley Conference and ISU record holder in the 600-meter uh, event, a 117.3 in that event. Um, just an incredible performance from him. And it shows how good as a team they are, but also individually how good they are. When you have him doing that at the uh, Mayo Invite at Notre Dame, and then you had Kylie Sanders uh, got first in the pentathlon at Wartburg, and then the Keck Select Invite just uh, south at Wesleyan, 11 first place finishes there. So, I mean, the individual performances this weekend, I think, shined a little brighter. But as a team, this they're just continuing to perform at a high level day, week after week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Bra- Braziel, I apologize if I'm saying that wrong, but such an impressive performance. Um, he uh, had a little room to spare, actually, in terms of that uh, ISU record and then also the Missouri Valley Conference record. Really impressive um, in that 600-meter race. And then an interesting note about Kylie Sanders, she's a sophomore, and she had never competed in the um, pentathlon before. Um so first time out, and she comes home victorious at the Wartburg Indoor Select, um, and then just a strong performance closer to home in at Illinois Wesleyan um, with 11 first place finishes in the Keck, Keck Select invite. So a really solid weekend. Excited to see how this team continues to come together, working towards the NBC Indoor Championships. Yeah, and they got to do the same thing again this week in another three-meet weekend, the Hoosier Hills Invite in uh, Bloomington, Indiana, the Valentine Invite in Boston, Massachusetts, and then the Grand, and then they go to Grand Valley State University, uh, Allendale, Michigan. So um, just a really, really balanced effort from this team these past few weeks. And to be able to, like I said, just to be able to see that they're having that much success even when they split up to three different meets like that, to be able to still find that much success at each event is just... Yeah. Really impressive. Yep. All right, we'll uh, move on to the uh, next thing, the swimming and diving team. Uh, it was actually just the diving team this uh, past weekend. Um, Eva Reyes continues her incredible start to her career this freshman and sophomore year. Uh, she got runner-up at the UIC Diving Invitational, the last tune-up 
for the Redbirds before the uh, MVC Championships. Uh, I believe it's this coming week here. Yep. Uh, Wednesday through Saturday, the MVC Champions Championships. Um, but Eva Reyes, like I said, just continues to perform at a high level, and it's that's a really nice thing to see for this team because when you have a player like that to lead at such a young age, that's that's such a special team for thing for a team. You don't see that a whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we always talk about how amazing Eva Reyes is, and um, glad this uh, group of divers was able to get an extra, you know, bit of practice in before um, they go on to compete at um, the championships. And I think that will really bode well for this team in the long run. So very excited to see how that works out. I'm trying to figure out, I'd assume um, the person she was runner-up to will be at the NBC championships. So definitely some, oh, no, it was a Wisconsin-Milwaukee athlete. So, um, not that she couldn't overcome that second place finish, but she will not have to worry about that person competing in the MVC championships, um, yeah. where she looks to defend her one meter title title and then, uh, work up the ranks in the three meter. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, this was really nice add on to the schedule because I mean, you got these, uh, divers ready for the MVC championship. Gabby Russell was one of those. I mean, she got an opportunity. She posted a season high mark in the one meter there. Uh, finishing fourth place there and she took ninth in the uh, three meter but to be able to get them that one last tune up instead of having just a break where they might relax a little bit they're continuing to keep it going keep the uh, blood flowing and they, they used it to their advantage like I said I mean that was a strong week in them for them before they go into the NBC championships uh the 15th through 18th so lots to look forward to for them as well we'll keep going on to the uh, men's tennis team um they are similar uh, to a lot of these teams that we've been talking about in terms of up and down and up and down. After starting 3-0 and this year, they uh, lost three in a row, um, and then they beat Arkansas Fort Smith before uh, falling at the hands of Arkansas, back-to-back doubleheader. Um, that was a rough week. That was a rough meet for them, really, in that Arkansas meet. But that Arkansas Fort Smith meet was a, an encouraging performance for them, but that Arkansas is just... That's a high-level program, and I mean, but I, I think the experience will be nice because sure. it, you're not going to yeah. run into a lot of teams that talented in the uh, Summit League, but it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do going forward. Yeah, I think this team just needs to um, kind of take what they're, uh, the success that they're having against this lower-level competition and try to find a way to translate that when they were playing these really outstanding programs like Arkansas. I mean, they start 3-0, and and then... Um, drop three in a row to go even at three and three after playing some more prominent programs and then a uh, pretty dominant win over Arkansas Fort Smith before losing um, 4 twice to Arkansas. So um, I think this team is going to make a lot of progress and be better because of it, kind of like what you were saying. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to see as the competition kind of evens out from both ends of that spectrum, you're going to see them be able to have a little more success yeah definitely i would agree 100 percent um they'll be back in action this weekend as well uh they host bellarmine at the uh, evergreen racket club um on the other side the women's tennis team uh they've had a really strong start to this uh spring season i would say um another win this past weekend so they moved to uh three and oh so far a six one win a six one win and a five two win most recently um over milwaukee um this is a really strong performance for them, and we keep talking about that duo. Um, 
Tardem Janovic and Tiana Zlatanovic continue to perform at a high level. And you, we talk about this every week. It's a lot of those same names, but that's a good thing because we're not seeing them slip up. They're continuing to play at a high level um, given what the competition that they're put against, and they're succeeding. Yeah, and I would even say maybe the biggest name this weekend was Elena Junkulovska. I mean, yeah. she came out big twice, both in doubles and in singles. Um, just did a really solid job when it mattered most. I mean, 5-2 looks like you had a little breathing room, but... I mean, if she drops that doubles point, it's an entirely different match. And um, she was playing at the sixth spot in singles. Um, and uh, Sylvia Palmarali um, was in a tight match at the five spots just ahead of her uh, going to three sets before kind of running away with it. So she was at the number six. I mean, that's a crucial point um, in that match. And the result could look a lot different if um, she does not perform the way that she did. Yeah, you might not realize that a lot of times for people who are paying attention, but like you said, I mean, you lose that doubles point, now it's 4-3, so it looks a lot closer than it was, and then one of those singles gets turned around and anything can happen from there. But they're they're really, they're persevering. Tara Demjanovic and Tiana Zlatanovic, like I said, they've just been great at the number one spot for doubles, and they need to continue to do that if this team wants to continue the success that they've had this 3-0 and start. Because they got a pretty tough weekend coming ahead against a good Illinois team, a uh, little higher-level competition coming up. Uh, and then they have the uh, a meet Wednesday as well where they'll host uh, Northern Illinois. But this team continues to impress week in, week out. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they're uh, able to do going forward. Uh, the last recap that we want to do for the weekend, uh, women's golf uh, started the season uh, this past weekend at the Falcon Florida Classic. And... That was a great start to the season, I'd say, to say the least. A uh, bunch of records were broken across the board, day one and day two, both individual and team records. Um, and they're carrying over a lot of success that they had from the fall season because that that is one heck of a start uh, to this uh, spring season, like I said. Fourth place out of 12 teams is a really good start. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Ali Schrock is going to be a name you're going to be hearing a lot um, if you're following this women's golf team. Uh, she's just been really impressive. And, her sister has too. Right, yeah. So her sister's a freshman this year, and she's um, just posted the, what was it? Freshman single round record yeah. score 69. So, I mean, Illinois State can be extremely grateful for the Schrock sisters yeah. and everything they've contributed to the program, um, even with uh, Danny Gray Schrock just being a freshman. So... Um, the other name that came up a lot this weekend was Avalon Woodward, who was really impressive, um, had a great, you know, complete three-round performance. Um, that's hard to do. I mean, you're playing two rounds in one day, and then you have to go back out and do it a, a third time, you know. So it's hard to keep that up through the entire competition. But she was able to do that and um, really lead this team down in Florida at the Falcon Florida Invitational, Florida Classic. Yeah, to start the uh, spring season like that after a few months off is really encouraging, breaking a lot of records, and this is going to be a fun team to watch going forward. But they have uh, a couple weeks off here before they uh, do the Rio Verde Collegiate Invitational here uh, February 24th to 26th, but a lot to look forward to for this team going forward. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Last thing we do want to talk about, just uh, the ISU baseball has been picked to finish 7th in the MVC preseason poll that was released uh, yesterday uh, with Jared Hart being named to the preseason All-MVC team as a relief pitcher. Um, 
That is, I believe that's what they finished last year was seventh in the conference. So sticking about where they uh, finish is what the projection says. But I, you, you were at the press conference, so you'll know a little more than me. But this team has a lot of really encouraging pieces on it. It's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think the story of this team is kind of, you know, a veteran pitching staff and um, a lot of youth around the rest of the diamond. And it's going to be a fun team to watch. And uh, I guess not just youth, but newcomers in terms of transfers as well. They hit um, the portal, you know, pretty hard. And I think they get a lot of good talent out of that. And you're going to see a lot of freshmen getting critical innings and, you know, having a chance to prove themselves. So um, Shy Robinson, I would go as far as to say there hasn't been much, um, as much hype around a, you know, a freshman baseball player at Illinois State in a while and like maybe a long time because he's just really impressive and everyone's talking very highly of him. So I think he's going to be someone that can contribute here for a long time. And um, I think the veteran pitching staff um, is going to be the leader of this team um, on the mound. Yeah, definitely. I think that middle infield is going to be a lot of fun to watch mm-hmm. this year. Luke Chang is a walking highlight reel at shortstop, and then Shai Robinson there as well. Um, this team's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think there might be times where you see some struggles, and maybe it's a little different look of a roster, and maybe that's why they were picked a little lower, but you have the pieces. Like you said, the veteran pitching staff is always a nice thing to have. You return the ERA leader in the conference, so um, this baseball team is going to be a lot of fun to watch, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they're able to do this year. Um, starting, I believe it, we said it was February 17th here mm-hmm. um, that Austin they start their P. season, Austin, PA. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what this team's able to do because I'm, I'm pretty excited for them. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, a lot to come forward here this coming week. Uh, men's golf will start their season. Um, tr- like we said, track and field in action. A lot of big games across the board for men's and women's basketball. So uh, Even soccer getting started. Yeah, they do their spring season. You know, so I guess that they have a week, but... Yeah, there'll be there's a lot going on here uh, at ISC Sports. A really exciting time to say the least. Um, I think that's it from me. Anything else from me, Reed? That's all I got. All right. So to keep track of all the action, uh, make sure to follow our Twitter accounts at the underscore vidette and at vidi underscore sports. And we will see you next week.